Well, hey, Phil, 4 p.m., great to see you. My name is Andrew. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here. Let's pray together as we come before God and his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who speaks. And we know that your word is precious, alive, active, and that you, through your word now, want to speak to us. So would you open our hearts now? Would you soften our hearts and help us to be ready to not just hear, but believe and to put into practice? We pray this for your glory. We pray this for your honor. Amen. Well, uh, I wonder if you're familiar with the hymn, Trust and Obey. Trust and Obey. The repeating lines go like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I wonder, do you believe the words of that hymn? Do you believe the words of that hymn, that the path to happiness is obeying God's commands? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that by obeying God's commands, it is the good life, it is the happy life, it is the joyful life? Our culture has a different idea. Our culture, the world around us, says that if we want to live a happy life, if we want to live a joyful life, we shouldn't obey anyone. We, we, we should be the masters of our own life, our own destiny. We shouldn't be subject to any other authority at all. To quote the deep song from Frozen, Let It Go, the lyrics say, It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. What's she saying? She's saying, if I want to be happy, I don't want to have any rules. I don't want to have any limits. I want to be free. No rules. So how can God's rules be the path to the good life? That's what Moses is saying. Moses is with the Israelites on the edge of the promised land. They can see the promised land with their very own eyes. And Moses says, as you go into the land, choose obedience. Obey God. That is the path for your good. There are a lot of rules in our society that are for our good. I'm so glad that there are road rules. If we all made up our own rules, imagine the traffic, imagine the crashes, imagine the chaos. There's plenty of rules that are for our good. And gee, it's the same with God's commands. It is the same with God's commands. After all, God made the world. He knows the best way to live in it. He made us. He loves us. He wants our good. That's why I think the psalmist in the Old Testament says, Oh, how I love your commands. How I love your law. That doesn't mean all of God's commands are going to be easy to obey and you're always going to just find it a walk in the park. And perhaps you're here today and you've been a Christian for a while and you're thinking, Is it really worth me keeping on obeying God? Let's have a look at what Moses says. Chapter 10, verse 12. I'm going to focus on chapter 10, verse 12 and 13 today. 
Moses, what does he say to the Israelites gathered there on the edge of the promised land? He says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. What does Moses say? He asks, what does the Lord God command of you, ask of you? As Christians, we know we're not saved by anything we do. We're saved by what God has done through Jesus. But that doesn't mean we can just kind of live life and however we want and just do whatever we want. No, God asks things of us. So what does the Lord God ask of us? What does the Lord God ask of the Israelites about to enter the promised land? What does he ask of us? Well, the first thing Moses says there, Fear the Lord your God. Fear the Lord your God. When it talks about fear there, it's not talking about fear as in the kind of fear you have when you're watching a horror movie or someone scares you. Uh, My uh, son Caleb, he's 16 months, he's just learned this week how to say boo. And so he, he hides behind the couch or hides behind a pillow and jumps out, tries to scare us, only there's nothing scary about it. It's just cute. And he goes, boo. That's not the kind of fear we're talking about here. It's not that kind of fear that makes you want to run and scream. No, this fear is wonder, being filled with awe, filled with amazement. Why? Well, for who he is. You see the next verse, verse 14, chapter 10, verse 14? To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. God is majestic. He is glorious. He made you. He made me. He made the whole world. Could there be anything more amazing, mind-blowing? To fear him is to have our hearts quake at his beauty at his glory, his majesty. But it's not just like we fear him because he's out there, this this distant creator God. No, no. We fear him because he loves us. Look at verse 15, the next verse. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you. Remember last week? God chose you because he loves you. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And so that's why we fear him, because we're his children. We we delight in him. We're joyful in him. One writer, Michael Reeves, he says, healthy fear of God doesn't make you want to run away from him, but run to him in faith and delight to throw ourselves on him in praise and joy. That's what it means to fear God. Who do you fear? What do you fear? We live in an anxious age, an anxious world. Everyone's fearing all kinds of things. Uh, What am I going to... How am I going to pay my bills? What do people think about me? How do I succeed in my workplace? How do I eat healthy? All these fears that are constantly on our mind. But you know, there's only one fear 
that puts all other fears in perspective. Puts all other fears in their right place. It's the fear of God. It's the fear of God. Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So do you fear him? Do you fear him? Is your heart filled with awe and delight and joy? Do you treasure him? That's what the Lord God asks of you. Well, number two, look again, chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? Next, to walk in obedience to him. That's really what chapter 10 and 12 are all about. Obedience, choosing obedience. That's what God asks of us. Now, there's nothing cool about obedience. Nothing cool about obedience. I mean, think about it. When you're a teenager and you want to be cool, what do you do? Well, you don't obey all the rules. You make fun of people like that. They're called a goody two-shoes or a suck-up. No, no, the cool person is the risk-taker, bit edgy, stand out from the crowd. That's, the, obedience isn't cool. In fact, if I wanted to be a cool preacher right now, I mean, I'd probably be wearing sneakers, preachers in sneakers. I'd probably, you know, have some kind of uh, catchy phrase that I'd be saying. I wouldn't be talking about obedience. Obedience isn't exactly, you know, something that sounds cool and flashy. But, you know, we can't avoid it. That's what God desires of us, obedience. I wonder if you've ever heard a Christian say this, and many, many Christians say, God isn't interested in rules. He's interested in relationship. Have you ever heard Christians say that? God isn't interested in rules. He's interested in relationship. Here's the thing. I get why we say it. I get why we say it. What we're trying to say is that to be a Christian, it's not about what you do. You don't earn God's approval. First and foremost, it's a relationship with God. I get why we say it. It's not true. Yes, we're not saved by obeying God's commands, but God does command us and call us to obey. Think about the Israelites. God saved them out of Egypt. Yes, they weren't saved because of the good things they did. God just saved them. He did it because of his grace, his love. But then he gives them the law and calls them to obey. Have a look at the first verse of chapter 11. The first verse of chapter 11. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. Verse 8. Observe, therefore, all the commands I'm giving you today. Not some of the commands. Not obey the commands that suit you. No, all the commands. Verse 13. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today. Verse 22. If you carefully observe all the commands I'm giving you to follow, it goes on and on and on. We've had to deal with a lot of new rules over this last year, haven't we, with COVID? Sometimes it seems like every few weeks there's a different rule and it's actually hard to keep up. You know, what are we allowed to do now? What, what aren't we allowed to do? And I think often we, we, instead of carefully following all the rules, we, we try and find the loophole. We try and find the loophole. Even just then, I was, uh, we were being led in song and I'm wearing my mask, we can't sing. But I was thinking, oh, can I whisper? Can I whisper along? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with whispering along to the songs, but we're always, we're always trying to find a way. How, how, do I have to follow that one? Is there a way I can kind of get around that one? 
But we can't do that with God's word. We're called to carefully obey all of them. I remember a Christian friend making fun of me when I was in high school, actually, that I was obeying all of God's commands. There was some, some, some commands I was obeying and that they thought it was a bit lame and they thought I was... Why do, we, why do we do that? Obeying all of them carefully. That's what God calls us to do. And that's why he calls us in verse 18 to look at God's word carefully. Look at the scriptures. Look at God's commands carefully. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. He's saying, write God's commands on your hands so you don't forget. Stick them, laminate them, stick them in your shower, whatever you need to do so that you hear all that God is telling you to do so you don't forget it. Pass it on to your kids. How's your time in God's word going? How's your Bible reading going? Are you hearing God's commands? This isn't just an Old Testament thing. Remember what Jesus says? Some of his famous last words, the Great Commission, he says, go make disciples teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything I have commanded you. No one likes a religious hypocrite. A religious hypocrite who says that they follow Jesus and yet doesn't actually live it out. The the proof, the evidence that we trust God, that we're saved, that we're his chosen people, like we looked at last week, is that we obey him is that we follow his commands. But I tell you, how often I fail to follow his commands. <laughs> how often I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. But praise God for his grace, that his mercy is more, that there's always forgiveness in the cross of Jesus. And praise God for his Holy Spirit empowering us to follow him, empowering us to obey his commands. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and number three, to love him? to love him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's the third thing. Love and serve God. You know what God requires of you? What God asks of you? Your heart. That's what God wants from you. He wants your heart. Not a part of your heart. He wants all of your heart. Look back at chapter 11, verse 1. Chapter 11, verse 1, we just read it before, but notice before he starts talking about keeping God's requirements and decrees, what does he say first? Love the Lord your God. See, why do we obey? Because we love him. Our desire to obey God flows out of the fact that we love him for who he is, for what he's done, that he's forgiven us, that he's saved us in Jesus that he's showing us grace upon grace. And so we want to obey. We want to serve because we love him. It flows out of a relationship. See, if we were obeying to earn his approval, that would just be legalism. No, we obey because he's already loved us and because we love him. 
If you've ever been given the impression that being a Christian is just dry religion, just obeying a whole bunch of rules because you have to, that is so wrong. It is filled with emotion. It flows out of a heart that is deeply thankful, overjoyed with God's grace. We love him. You think about it. When you fall in love with someone, you instinctively want to find out what pleases them. You instinctively want to find out what they like and you want to do things that they like because you want to please them and you want to find out what they don't like and you then want to stop doing what they don't like because you don't want to annoy them. You find delight in bringing them delight. And isn't the same with God? We love him. That's why we serve him. That's why we obey him. But you know, God wants all your heart. He wants you to love him alone. He doesn't want you to love other gods. That's what Moses says. He gives a big warning. Chapter 11, verse 16. Chapter 11, verse 16. Have a look at it. He says, Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut up the heavens so it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce. The Israelites had been saved out of Egypt and pretty much straight away they built themselves a golden calf. They built themselves an idol and worshipped the idol. And Moses is saying, you're about to enter the land. Don't make the same mistake. Love the Lord your God and him alone with all your heart, with all your soul. And for us today, 4 p.m. church, we don't really have golden calves, but we've got the equivalents. Our career calling us to bow down to it. Our money, our property, our family, our health, entertainment, pleasure, power. And God's saying, love me with everything. Don't serve other gods, but serve me alone. Do you love him with everything? We love him because he first loved us. He wants our heart. He wants our heart. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him and serve him with all our heart and all our soul, and lastly, to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your good. See, when we live this way, when we fear God, when we obey him, when we love him, it is for our good. It is for our good. It is the best life. Even if we don't always believe it and don't always see it. The other day, my son, Caleb, he wanted to walk across a six-lane road on his own without holding my hand. I said no. He threw a tantrum on the side of the road. But I knew that that command was for his good, even if he didn't see it. Because I loved him. It's the same with God's commands. We may not see it, but it's for our good. And we're given a choice. Moses gives the Israelites a choice. Which are you going to choose? The path of curses, where you disobey God, you face his judgment. Don't go down that path. Or are you going to choose obedience? That's the path of blessing. Now, this is not saying that if we obey God, Everything's going to go well for us. 
God is not like some kind of vending machine where you, you know, put in a dollar and good things come out. It's not the case that if you obey God, things will go well. All you need to do is look at the story of Job in the Old Testament. You see a godly guy who suffers. And I'm sure you know very godly people who suffer and plenty of people who aren't godly at all and everything goes well for them. It's not necessarily this mechanical relationship that if you obey God, everything will be great. No, but it is the path of blessing. It is the good life because God loves us, he's with us, and he's working all things together for our good, even if we don't see it. Let's look at some of the ways that following God is the blessed life, the good life. Moses points out three things for the Israelites. And yes, this is a long time ago, and the Israelites are a very different people, but I think they're three blessings that still apply to us today. Three blessings, three, three ways that fearing God, obeying him, is the good life from this passage. Here's the first one. We experience God's presence. God's presence. In chapter 11, verse 8 to 12, we're not going to read it, but, but Moses talks about this amazing land they're about to enter. He kind of sounds like a real estate agent. He's talking about, oh, it's going to be so great, your new home, so much better than Egypt. This new home, if you enter it, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be fantastic. All your descendants will go. It's going to be so great. And he says, God's eyes are going to be on this place, and you're going to be there experiencing his presence, and he's going to be caring for you. It almost sounds like the Garden of Eden. This is God bringing his people back to his place under his care. Now, for us, we're not promised a physical land in 2021. But if we follow him, we experience his presence. He is with us, caring for us. And we have the hope of the new creation, of being with God in the new world with him there, caring for us, his eyes on us. That's the first blessing, God's presence. Here's the second blessing that Moses points out, God's provision. God's provision. Look at verse 13 of chapter 11. Verse 13 of chapter 11. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, and I'll send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I'll provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you'll eat and be satisfied. See, when you follow God, he pr promises to provide for all your needs. Remember what Jesus says? If God provides for the sparrow, for the birds, how much more will he care for you, your, his children? He loves you. He'll provide for you all that you truly need. Maybe not everything you want. Maybe not everything you think you need, but he'll provide for you all that you need. So God's presence, God's provision. And what's the third one? God's protection. God's protection. Look at verse 22. Chapter 11, verse 22. 
Moses says, if you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you'll dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. See, when you follow God, remember what Romans says? If God is for you, no one can be against you. For the Israelites, God promised that they would enter this land and no one would be against them. For us, if you are in Jesus, if God is for you in Jesus, who can ultimately be against you? Who can ultimately stand against you when God is your Father who loves you and is watching over you and is holding on to you? How comforting. His presence is with us. His provision, he provides. His protection. No one can stand against us. Of course, there are so many other blessings. But there's just some. So what does God require of you? What does he ask of you? Will you fear him? Stand in awe, in delight, in joy. He loves you. He's chosen you. Will you obey him? All his commands carefully and come back to him with forgive, asking for forgiveness when we fail, knowing his mercy is more. Will you love him and serve him? Not with some of your heart, with all your heart. Because when you do that, when you live that life, it is the life of blessing. It is the good life for our good and for his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you've chosen us, that we are your special treasured possession, washed by the blood of your son. Would you help us now by your Holy Spirit transform our hearts. We want to give our hearts to you, every part of it. Forgive us for the times we not only love you, but we, we bow down to other things. Help us to be wholehearted in our devotion to you and you alone. Empower us to do that by your Spirit. We want to fear you. You're the great God, the awesome God, and the God that loves us. We want to obey you. We want to serve you. Lord, how we love your commands, how we love your word, it is for our good. Help us to believe that and live it out. And we pray this in your son's beautiful name.